You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now your host, Wyatt Christman. Hey, this is Wyatt with Creative Habits Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. This week, we've got Suresh Thakur. He has the Bliss Hacker Podcast, among other things, such as the B Book, which is uh, soon to be published. And on the show, we're talking about uh, good and bad uh, procrastination. Also, uh, a bit about, um, you know, a creative focus uh, flow, uh, as well as um, some lessons for lear- he learned from his neighbor, Nelson Mandela. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Check out the show notes with full links uh, to everything mentioned at creativehabitspodcast.com. Yeah, Wyatt, it's, uh, I'm really excited to be on your show. And yeah, let's kind of give you a little quick bio uh, run of who I am. So basically, um, if you want me in a nutshell, I would just say I'm a creative person. But because <laughs> I just got tired of telling everybody uh, everything about who I am and what I do. So what that just means is uh, basically I'm, a, I'm a, a musician, an artist, a writer. I'm a contributing writer to the Good Men Project and the Huffington Post. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a dad, which, I, you know, it's like one of my favorite titles. Uh, but the other things that I also do, I'm a software engineering consultant, so I do that. That's my side. So everything I'm doing is a side hustle. And, you know, that obviously raises challenges. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the side hustle is interesting because uh you're you've you're you're you describe yourself on on your side as, as somewhere in the journey of becoming a creative pro while side hustling. And and does the side hustle um you know help you in your creative flow or is it just, you know, the thing that pays the bills? I, I want to say at times it can be both. So at sometimes it's it's able to allow me to purchase the additional equipment right so sometimes i'm like excited about it right because i'm like oh i can i, I worked a little harder at work this 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 time around and it it helps helped me you know purchase some new equipment right so like a camera or something like that but other times it can be daunting because what you want to do with a side hustle uh, when you're trying to side hustle is that you want your work to be predictive in other words, you want it to be like 40 hours a week, every week, et cetera, et cetera. And if you, you know, as a software engineering consultant, that's not the case because when it comes towards a uh, release, when you're trying to actually release a software version, uh, that's almost like tax time for, uh, for tax professionals. It's just like, it's, a, it's, uh, loaded, you know, in terms of how many hours you're putting in it and whatnot. And in those times, actually, you get frustrated because you have to kind of put on hold what you've planned. It's, I think the, the, the thing with the side hustle that I realized is how difficult it is to have a consistent schedule with, like, being able to put time on things and that sometimes even the best laid plans go to waste. Right, right. How, so how do you prevent that side hustle from expanding into your creative realm and, uh, you, you know, your writing and, and things like that. Um, how do you prevent it from just taking over? Um, you know, how, how do you keep a kind of a barrier there? Um, I, I think what you first, first realize, like, and maybe, you know, just as a, as a segue to that is a lot of people will talk about balance in life, right? So that, that there's some sort of formula, magic formula where things are balanced, 
and and life is great. It's almost like you're living in a fairy tale. But the challenge is, or the realization I came up with is, there's no such thing as balanced life because sometimes you're you're just way into the creative realm. You know, times where you can spend maybe I don't know, 24, 26 hours straight just doing something creative. You're just so immersed in it. Um, when I do music, I'm just like that. I'll just I'll just compose and I'll just I won't even know what day it is or what time it is. I won't even pay attention to the you know the changing from nighttime to daytime. I'm just so focused. And then other times, I'll just have to say like like for instance, as an example, I uh, I have a three legged cat who has this little weird thing where he he's he's got no like little teeth, uh, no teeth at all, and so he does this thing where it looks like he's talking. So for the longest period of time, I've been wanting to record it properly and green screen it so that I can add him as part of like some of the scenes in Pulp Fiction because um, personality-wise, he's like similar to Samuel L. Jackson. It just fits perfectly. And so you know, there's things that you just put on hold like that, unfortunately, because you don't have that. You, 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 I, I long for the ability to just wake up every day and just be creative start to finish. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> well. Even creativity needs a break, right? So uh, you know, I, yeah. it's it's good to it's good to give it that that break. And I think, at least from what I've read, uh, you know, some of the travel um, has been a good break for you. Uh, you know, in terms of going to a, a lake and being able to soak up the scene and and coming back from that rejuvenated uh, to create, uh, right? Is that yeah, so so one of the things that I I, I, uh, I I really preach is that there's actually a good part there, there's a bad procrastination and a good procrastination. So the bad procrastination is when you you don't do something and you just feel like I don't know it's some sort of emotional like you're just you just don't feel like motivated to do something right. Then there's another type of procrastination where you want to do something but you just it just when you start working on something, it just, it's like a grind, right? It just doesn't, you're not moving the, the ball any, you're just kind of going laterally in this, in one direction, but you're not moving at all. And in those perk times, I just, I stopped doing it because I don't want to waste. Um, as a software developer, I've also had this where you, people, you observe people that take a 15 minute task and they just grind through it. And then next thing you know, they've spent six hours on that task and they say, Ooh, I'm productive. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not productive because productivity has to do with being efficient or effective and, and producing, right? So what I do actually, which is more like a, have a, a better idea of procrastination is there's two different kinds. The kind like where you ju- you're just not emotionally there in wanting to do something. You're not motivated. Then there's other times where you really want to do something and it's just not like there's sometimes in creativity, like writing an article or whatever – Whatever you do, there's just a blank page. And what I do is to find something else that I need to get done. Maybe it's the second or third priority on my list. And I also always have low-hanging fruit, things that are just really quickly done. And the reason is that I want to get that – I want to change my things that are happening in my mindset and mentality. And so we can go a little bit of the science on this uh, – the reason you, you want to change is because you, you're hoping that your brain changes. There's a thing called neuroplasticity, which as you do things, newer things, different things, uh, that actually will recircuit your brain. And then when you relook at the problem again, the thing that you were trying to do, say, for instance, uh, 
when I write articles, writing articles is probably the one where I procrastinate a lot on in, in a good way. I don't just, you know, plan it and say, I'm going to churn out an article today. That's, it just doesn't work that way. And, and when I do turn it out like that, it's, it's like what, what I read other people write, you know, the five, how many different ways they, they talk about five ways to be a lifestyle entrepreneur or whatever, something just, I mean, literally garbage, to be honest, because they didn't, they really don't put their, their heart and soul into it. They don't really connect to the reader. It's just another, you know, surface article. And so what I do actually is to, to always continuously gauge whether I'm, I'm at, at, uh, I'm, I'm actually being productive every 15 minutes or so. I'm like, is this working or not? And what I'll do is just say, okay, you know what? This is not right. The, the timing is not right to write this article right now. I just don't feel it. And I put something in its place because what I want to do is continuously have get things done or have quick wins. And the reason is there's a thing called the Zagernik effect. And the Zagernik effect essentially is this. If you, if you can get quick wins like that continuously, you'll get momentum, right? So and that momentum will just change your uh, – your chemicals, your, your your dopamine and serotonin and such, and you'll just that that actually literally will change your mind. Nice. Um, but the opposite of the Zagarnik effect is true too. So if you actually go to work, if you have something at work that you've been working for, say like months on end, you're and then you just switch over to a different task. You can never stop. You can't stop thinking about the, the tasks that aren't finished. So there's a little bit of a fine line. Like you want to get those quick wins, you want to get them out, but your mind you're still going to be focused on the fact that you didn't write that, finish that article. But if you know those, if you know that, you can kind of hack it. And actually, what I found is just having these little quick things that actually move the ball, but not necessarily on that pri- primary task. Eventually, you'll you'll hit that primary task, and it'll just it'll be finished in a lot less time. Um, you know, literally any article written on. Like for a news, uh, like for instance, the Huffington Post or whatever, it's like about 800, 900 words. That's about seven minutes of human speech. And so, you, a lot of writers will tell you that when they, the best articles they've written, it's almost literally like written in minutes. And it's just, and it's, it's really engaging in it and whatnot. And so I'd, I'd rather spend like, you know, 10, 15 minutes writing the article and be engaged in it than try to fit, you know, just try to sit there at the typewriter or not the typewriter, the keyboard and look for about 10 to, you know, look for about an hour at a blank screen. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it, it does make sense to kind of juggle between so that you can kind of surf how, the state of mind that you might be in. On the flip side of that, there are people who will will thrive in what you're describing. But but what about the others? And and I wonder about that state of mind you can get into at a, at a moment's notice. Meaning, much like when you double click on an icon on a computer and boom, something pops up. It's uh, an an emotional state that you can actually get into by uh, through words and images. And it's it's um, almost like a um, uh, you know a, a meditation, an instant meditation. So you can switch your mindset. So you don't have to say, okay, am I in the mood? But rather, you can get into the mood because you've driven your mind to a certain place through images or ideas previously 
uh, that that previously have an emotional attachment. Um, have you experimented with that at all, or is that? Oh, absolutely, and and this is after that. So this is you know with what you're talking about is kind of like injecting flow state. What I what I like to focus on, sure, uh, calling it immersion of what you're doing, and so whatever it is, music for me is that. Um, taking a swim is that because it you know reduces the amount of uh, when you're underwater. There's not a lot much more than you just swimming. You know you don't hear a lot of sounds because they're because of the water and whatnot, but, uh, it'll get me to those places. But that being said, uh, I let it be, you know what I mean? Like I don't try to force it. I know when I force it, that I, it it impacts my creativity. Hmm. Like, and, and so what I'm saying is I'll try it. Yeah, definitely. I'll listen to music or whatever, but you have to be so connected to yourself. I think a lot of people just have a lot of noisy chatter. So you have to be so connected to yourself that you know, like, okay, this is when I'm gonna write the article or not. And, and and basically just switch to something else. Someone like me, though, I, and I think it, it, what you hit on the head is that, yeah, some people, they, all they can do, all they need to do is listen to maybe some Nine Inch Nails or something, and boom, they're there, right? They're in that, that visceral place where they can just, you know, throw, throw up artwork like nobody's business. Other people, it's, it's like, you know, like me, I have so many things I can do. I can switch over to music. I could switch over to writing. I could switch over uh, to art. I could do a lot of different things. So I just do that and find something that I am getting immersed in. And I always, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I'm sure that people like, well, why don't you just pick one thing and just do that? But I'm not that person. I'm, I'm a um, multi-potentiate. And I forget where that I heard that term, but basically it just means or what, another word where it's a serial specialist. Like I can do pretty much whatever I want to do um, and, and do it at a high level. And so in those, for those people, I think it's better to just switch gears. Uh, you know, so you're still doing one thing at, at any given time. It's just that you're, that's not the only crayon you have in the crayon box. Yeah. And, um, and, and it goes back to basically the, the overall philosophy that I live by. And it's, it's in uh, what the Bliss Hacker Radio Show talks about, which is uh, Bruce Lee comes up with the, the probably the best out of the out of everybody that I've listened to in terms of advice and quotes or whatnot. I think Bruce Lee has probably the best quotes, and I live by him. It's like my philosophy. So he says the the best one he says is adapt what's useful, reject what's useless, and then make it your own. And, I, and I'm kind of paraphrasing that. So that's the truth in life with success with whatever. Uh, I do what works for me, and I know why you you do what works for you, and and then and your and your listeners should do what works for them, and it, and it may be something totally different. Um, you know, you you may need to you have to find what works for you. Definitely, and, it's it's an excellent quote. It's a uh, yeah, I love that quote. It it really um, says a lot in a in a short you know little package so you know it's interesting because the theme of of what you've described there uh, you know bleeds into the rest of what you're doing which is be you know be in the moment be uh present in what you're doing and you're you're working on something right now uh, um a book the b book can you give us a little um details on that the inspiration behind it and how you're keeping track uh with writing it uh, yes, actually, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a hack. So I, I told you I'm a contributing writer to the, the good, to the uh, Huffington Post and the Good Men Project. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a writing hack. Uh, if you want to write a book, 
the easiest thing is write a, a, a ton of articles. And in, in doing so, you can kind of test and gauge uh, concepts, right? And so what, I, what I'm doing to keep track of the book is basically writing articles. And I write articles on specific aspects, uh, di- different thoughts, and seeing how, how, how people like and, and don't like things. But the whole concept of the B book is to try to simplify life to its bare essence of what you're supposed to do when you get on this planet. And, you know, it, it goes beyond, I, I'm definitely into meditation, definitely into mindfulness, but I've gone past those, those practices because the truth are they're, pra- they're just practices. And you're, they're actually, um, Buddha said something like, you know, mindfulness and, these, and meditation are kind of like a raft or rafts. And they're to get you from one side of the river, one side of the river to the other side. Once you get to the other side, you don't need the raft anymore. Now, interesting enough, when people practice meditation or mindfulness, um, even those that would say have done it for tens of years, ten, you know, decades even, uh, they'll just keep on saying how there's still some sort of gap between where they they are now and where they want to be, and how if they do more of whatever, like mindfulness or whatever, then they would get, they would solve whatever, they would be more at Zen, right? And the whole idea of B concept is uh, you can get past mindfulness. There's there's a place beyond mindfulness where you're just you're literally just all you're doing is being, and it's even more difficult to concept to to grasp because it's not just living in the present moment. Um, and and actually, if you look at sati, which is what mindfulness comes from, uh, that that concept in Pali is uh, basically that time it's not just living in the present moment it's also recollecting and i even take it even further and say more likely than not based on what einstein was talking about with time uh, past present future there's no there, there's a what, what did he say something like it's a stubborn illusion but there isn't any difference and so with that when it all if you want to just kind of boil that down to the bare essence um i allow life to flow and, and that's why we're use the word be. And it's interesting how, as a species, we're human beings, you know, with the word be in it. And so what I what I try to do is I flow. And sometimes I'm recollecting the past, and it's a beautiful place because when I'm writing, you know, that to to connect back to my past actually allows me to uh, to build source for for you know create and and to explore and to to teach and to to uh provide meaning for what i've what i've been through right so i feel it's great that if you've gone through stuff that you actually share it with the world because you know there was a reason for you to go through it and if you can help somebody that might be in the same place then you know that's that's on you to do that but also you know every every past moment uh all the moments in your past connect to build this the moment you're in in the present so there's this like relationship there but then in addition this present moment builds all the future moments so if you you know so it's not that i'm thinking of three different time periods at the same time is that's that's impossible but sometimes i'm recollecting in the past especially when i'm writing articles and other times i'm i'm looking at the future and then there are times where i just am in the present moment and it's that balance or understanding time at that level where you you just you just be it's almost effortless because you don't have to worry about it being you know some sort of uh, 
schedulized time or whatever. And, and also the same thing with emotions. So bees, this whole idea that you just, the reason we're having such trouble with lives is we're just being too over analytical and we're also trying to overcomplicate things and we're trying to mute who we are. And so we come, we go through identity and things like that, but it's also, you know, a bit of self-improvement and, and talking about what people don't realize, which is the, the massive amount of, you know, massive amount of science that goes behind a human being as well. Uh, you know, mindset and all this other stuff too. Right. So you're taking your knowledge or your experience of that, um, and uh, putting that as as best you can into a book to help other people is that would that be accurate? That's correct. Yeah, and so so you've gotten this. When when did you decide? Like, okay, I I feel this experience and I want to relay this um, to help other people. When when did that inspiration to say I'm gonna I'm gonna you know put this in a book form happen? Yeah, um, so that would probably be two. Now, three years, almost three years ago, when I got divorced, and in, and during the divorce, after that period, then I, you know, became a phoenix in essence. I, I reconstituted my own identity. Um, when you go through something that that difficult and painful, uh, you you question everything. It's like it's the sad part of life that you actually have the most profound discoveries when you're probably in a crisis or in in such a difficult situation, but. You know, it is what it is, right? So I I learned a lot more about what was working and what wasn't working. I really then started to apply that Bruce Lee quote to my life because what I was doing in that sense of vulnerability, uh, you know, you get meteor showered with all these people out telling you advice, right? Sell your house, do this, do that, all these things. And, and funny enough, a lot of people that were giving me advice had never gone through divorce. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just the truth because I think, with human beings, we want to help. It, it, I don't think it was harmful. Like they weren't trying to be harmful, right? But no, no. It's, you it's, want you want to help, but all you can do is just kind of advise. Like that's the only thing you think you can do, you know. <laughs> and you you really don't know what to do. I think they the, at least they say if I, I give you some advice, that's at least some sort of help. <laughs> well, unfortunately, like the person that needs the help probably is in the most vulnerable state as possible, and and so you know I was trying to just juggle all these different perspectives and it was interesting how contradictory they were you know the advice from one person to another and whatnot or even the same advice from uh, the advice from one person and how on different days it would be different um so i realized first and foremost i need to find meaning of who i was and i've been struggling with that pretty much a lot of my life as well and so i said the only person that's going to ever figure this out is myself and I just started, you know, I really looked, I found that quote somewhere on somebody's Instagram about Bruce Lee. And I said, oh, I, I didn't know he said this. Oh, wow, that actually makes sense. Okay, let me apply that to everything. And then I started to realize everything shifted. It's it's not, it's, it's interesting because everything was always there. It's just like, I just had a little different perspective on it. On it and then, you know, all the dominoes fell. And I said, wow, this is so profound. And my, my success level from after the divorce to before is so different. It's night and day. I mean, all these things I tell you I'm doing now, uh, I, I, I just usually have those things on the shelf. I, I also, uh, 
I would never have, I don't know. I don't think it was uh, confidence or anything like that, but I just think I worked really hard and I was in the marriage and trying to, you know, do good for the marriage or whatever. And in doing so, what we do is we, 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 uh, put ourselves on the shelf and what our needs are. And my needs are, you know, I thrive when I'm creative. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, it it is interesting about the whole, you know, some crisis and the key is to, um, you know, figure all that out before a crisis, but often that's not always, always going to happen. But so you, you, you have this experience and you're, you're putting that within the book. What, what kind of habits have kept you, are you, you know, going with the book? Have you made a deadline for yourself or, um, how are you, uh, you know, cranking that out? Uh, you know, things have fluctuated. So I, I was going to say July would have been the deadline, mm-hmm. but I really want it to be a, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not in any need to have this thing published in July. So okay. I, I'm actually going to go with the opposite and say, uh, it will be done when it's done, but it more likely than not will be done this either by July or within the next quarter. Right, right. So, so now you're you're um, that that experience. You know, um, I, I often uh, ask um, guests about their hero's journey. Would you consider the the divorce experience that that journey that um, you know to the quote unknown or the the place where you hadn't experienced before that brought back some magic uh, for your life? Would you consider that experience pivotal to your life now? Or is there something else in your past that, uh, you, you know, was a journey that brought about a, a lot of how you interplay with reality now? Yeah. So I think, interestingly enough, there, there's two. So that would that would be the one that really was the, the, the you know, in the here's journey, there's actually a false climax, right? So there's this this first beautiful part where you 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 slay the monster you think you're done and then all of a sudden you realize oh my god i didn't you know <laughs> oops that wasn't that was just one of the bosses that the, you know the end boss of a level now i have the mega boss at the end right so like just like a video game and and so the the one before this which also i think it just the level of impact but it's funny because it's the same question and, and 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 I go through this realizing that a lot of us, when we traverse through life, we're just answering one question and one question only, and and that's what the but it's part of the book as well. And the one question we're asking ourselves is who am I, and and what am I doing here, right? <laughs> what am, what is this? What does this mean? We're trying to find meaning, and interestingly, like mindset. Um, sorry, um, mindfulness meditation, whatever, those practices aren't in themselves anything more than allowing yourself to quiet down so that you can actually spend time figuring out who you are. I mean, that's, that's the whole, but that's the whole basis of all the, all those practices really, uh, when you know, when it's all said and done. Uh, but nonetheless, the other one I'd love to talk about real quick is, uh, you know, for 2001 to 2002, I was in South Africa for six months and I was living with my uncle, and lo and behold, uh, I wanted to meet my next-door neighbor. I heard so much good things about an amazing man, and for the life of me, I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the courage to walk over. I mean, I, every day I took a, a, a daily walk, and I didn't have the courage to walk over and knock on his door. Uh, 
And the person I'm talking about actually, which, you know, I didn't know until I got there who it was. I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Uh, was Nelson Mandela. So he actually, you know, won a Nobel Prize, uh, you know, uh, apartheid DC study abolished that and became president. Now this is after 27 years in jail. And that's my next door neighbor <laughs> for six months of my life. And I, and for the life of me, I couldn't do it. I could not, I, I literally, it was so bad because he had said like my, my uncle's a you know crazy businessman. He's traveling all over the world and whatnot. So he had called the house one time before my, my uncle was going to you know, fly out to this, the United States. And he said, Hey man, we should have some, some tea sometime, you know, we're neighbors and whatnot. So, I mean, literally he, he wanted to, to meet us and all that stuff too. So that was even added to that. Um, but here I am and I couldn't even muster enough courage to walk 60, 70 feet from the driveway and knock the door. Even knowing that he was there and even knowing that, you know, he wanted to meet us. Uh, right. You know. And then did you, you did have tea eventually and, and. No, you, no, actually. Never the, did. No, never did. Uh, you know, and it just, every day I realized like I was, it was even worse because of the anxiety and whatnot. And the truth was when I all said and done, I think it was the most beautiful thing that I never met him because I don't think I would have had such a profound impact on my life. Uh, the the reason is because what happened was I learned more about his life and learned a lot about how he how we would regardless of the the situation on the outside looking in you know there's so much scare and fear that was happening in his world but on the inside looking out he said you know I can't control any of that but at the very least what I can control is my posture I can control my smile I can control these things I'll do that. And, I, and I'll use that. That'll be my certainty in an uncertainty world, uncertain world. And in doing so, what interestingly enough, the people around him picked up on that, that he was, you know, they said, wow, look at this guy. Everybody was, you know, with this crazy world, the uncertainty, all this other stuff, here he is being brave. And, and then they became brave. And he said, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not fear, the, the, uh, the thing about fear is that it's always going to be there or uncertainty or whatever. It's just how you, you know, control what you can control. And in doing that, that should, you know, that'll be enough, but always accept the fear. It's not your human being. You're supposed to be fearful. So the reason I say that's like the best thing I never met him is because, because I didn't meet him. I met all sorts of people now, you know, I mean, if you have that experience and it's like the one regret you have in all your life, um, definitely. I'll go the extra mile to 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 make that introduction. I'll go. I'll do things that you know. Oh, it, you know X Y Z on New York Times bestseller, or whatever. I'll go and ask them questions. I'll go. You know, I don't care. I have that you know just carefree attitude says I'm never going to let that happen again. And secondly, the thing that really impacted me was I really found out that one of the challenges I've been I was dealing with was I was trying to find ex- meaning externally. Now, this is the first foray in the hero's journey. So one of the things we do is we try to find meaning externally to ourselves. So we ask the question, who am I? But then we ask our, our wives or our spouses or our girlfriends or our husbands or our boyfriends or whatever, our parents. Um, we also define our who, who we are by what we do at work. How many people will tell you like what they do as one of the, when you ask them the question? 
and and it's not that they're the artist, the writer, the creative person, the the creative, you know, whatever. It's the I'm a software engineer with XYZ company, and and unfortunately in our country there's a lot of uh, tied identity to where we work, and people get depressed when quote unquote when they get you know laid laid off or fired because their identity gets lost because that's what they you know that's what they identify themselves with. So the first part of the hero's journey was basically finding out. I didn't love myself and I needed to do that. And, and because that's, that was really why I, I really just, the reason I didn't do the knocking on the door had to do with, uh, more likely than not, basically, I just thought I wasn't worthy. Like, who am I to be, you know, meet this man? What do I, what do I give to this person? And, 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 and that's, you know, that's the question we always face because I, you know, recently a, 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 a few people that I know that are actually probably better writers than myself, uh, they they just they just keep delaying submitting to the Huffington Post. Right? It's real simple it, it, to, to to actually write to the Huffington Post or write for the Huffington Post. More likely than not, just email Ariana Huffington. <laughs> I, I've, all my friends that have you know all my colleagues that have done that, they're now you know they're they're now writing for the Post as well. And there's a handful of people that I know also that are great, talented writers, but they just don't have that confidence. And unfortunately, what what they do is they just devalue themselves. They're basically who I was, um, so, you know, walking past the door. You know, uh, it would have probably been a life-altering moment in the sense if I had met him, you know, here's a pitch uh, saying I met him and all this other stuff. That being said, it's life-altering that I didn't meet him because they're at the same place, right? They just all they have to do is something simple, type up a little pitch. Here's my article, and you know, send it off. And I can even give them the email address, right? <laughs> it's it's, not, it's, too, it's easy to find you know connectivity to whomever you want, and yet a lot of us don't do that. They just we just won't show up, and so that's what another part of the B book was. So that was the first part of my hero's journey: is learning first and foremost, I'm worthy. Uh, I'm, I have self-worth and what I do is important and, and, and amazing and spectacular. Yeah. And then, and then the second part of that, unfortunately was once I got married, which was, you know, I, I started to lose that identity again. And so, um, one article I wrote was called put the ring on your own finger, because the truth is if you're going to make a commitment, make a commitment to yourself and be the best you, you can be. And then everybody else, you know, because people, unfortunately, we know this. People, uh, they, they, they are ir- irrational, and people are can break your heart, and people can do this, and they can do that, and whatever. But the truth is, be resilient, because if you love yourself and take care of yourself, and you are your best person, then everything else doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like everything else, yeah, you won't be at that place. I. I used to probably say something like, "Oh, she completes me," quote unquote, and that's not that's not healthy. Uh, you want somebody that compliments you, not completes you. Um, you should, and it's actually it's just a matter of you saying, "I love myself, and I'm going to be my own soulmate," and and work on that first. And then, if someone, if you want to have someone that to to uh, enjoy the ride with, then so be it. It's it's definitely one of those um, moments when you're able to 
you know, be fully, you'll actually help more people by doing that than if you don't. And there's so many people out there that are, you could approach that want to help you, even if you think, you know, oh, I'm not worthy. When you ask, they want to help. You know, they're they're waiting for you to ask almost, you know, because yeah. it's part of their life to, you know, pass it on, so to speak. So, yeah, wow. That's uh, – <laughs> Yeah, and actually I just wanted to make one comment quickly. I'm uh, Charlie, you're taking too much of your time here, but so, so I really like what you just said, which is people want to help. Now, now, the one thing you have to realize with successful people is the timing is really important. So if they say no, it may just mean this moment. Ask again some, some other time. You, you'll be amazed at how many people say, you know, I've had, for, for instance, with the Bliss Hacker podcast, I have asked people, hey, would you, and I'd love for you to be on the show. And they said, no, I'm working on a book right now. Call, you know, talk to me later or something like that. And sometimes they don't even mention it, but I realize, like, I'll do some research. Say, oh, well, they're working on this book right now. Let me call when they're done, or let me ask when they're done. And interestingly enough, it's like people. Yeah, I mean, people want to help you. They definitely want to help you. It just may not be right. You know, this moment, they may be doing something else. And and I think what we do, unfortunately, is we take no as this massive rejection of who we are and what we're about. And that goes back to saying, first and foremost, before you do any of that, work on yourself and, and you know, put the ring on your own finger and, and you know, be your own soulmate, romance yourself, etc. And this isn't the kind of vanity or, uh, or whatnot. It's, it's more true, authentic, genuine love for yourself. And being authentic is probably going to get you the farthest in life. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it definitely will. That's it, it'll it'll bleed into your creative flow for sure. Uh, you'll you'll feel it, uh, you know, in everything you do. So that's a, that's a nice nice note to uh, to end on, actually. And I, yeah. I, so for our listeners, um, uh, where can they find you uh, and best connect with you? On? Well, the best place to connect to me with uh, is email. And, and the reason is I'd like to, I really like to help and engage with people. So, you know, and interestingly enough, as much as I give my email address out, I, I, you think, oh, well, he must get thousands of emails. Uh, no, because a lot of people will just, even when I give them that, even when I could give them my phone number or whatever, they'll just hesitate and say, you know, it's like they're paralyzed with generosity. Uh, but here it is. It's Suresh. It's S-U-R-E-S-H at blisshacker.com b-l-i-s-s-h-a-c-k-e-r.com now I, I i seriously will will do whatever it takes to help people uh someone uh, because of the bliss hacker show which is we, we hack everything to, to have a better life someone asked me to help them with their resume and i actually went through their resume and gave them a video 20 27 minutes worth of advice and basically ran through everything I could think of because, you know, I happen to excel in that kind of stuff as well, like career and all that. And I love helping people. It's just interestingly enough, you could tell them, Hey, here's my email address. And they'll say, you know, they, they'll just, Oh, they'll just kind of be paralyzed by it. And I'm like kind of profound by this, this whole thing. The other things you can do is to listen to the bliss hacker radio show. Uh, we have, we usually have a daily show going on. And that's at, uh, you know, Bliss Hacker on iTunes or BlissHacker.com is the blog. And you can find my writings on uh, 
the Good Men Project and also Huffington Post. And then lastly, I'm about to publish or I don't know, produce or whatever you want to call it, uh, one of my music tracks on iTunes. So you'll be able to find Bliss Hacker on iTunes as well. Nice. And I'll have all those links in the show notes, of course. And, um, you know, you're well on to your goal uh, towards, uh, you know, uh, one million, one billion, right? One billion people finding their bliss, right? They, yeah, getting your email yeah. address out there will certainly uh, contribute <laughs> towards that. But that's a that's a sweet goal, and uh, and you know, hopefully, um, you know, uh, people listening take advantage of your generosity. It it really is nice. I mean, twenty seven minutes helping someone, you know, a stranger with their resume is really generous, and I, I'm sure you've done many other things and much more than that. So it's, um, thank you, uh, you know, for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not a pie in the sky goal. I actually am trying to put that number high because of, uh, Peter Diamandis who says, you know, be abundant, be bold, right? Those are the couple of books he wrote. Uh, the reason for a billion people is the fact that we live in a planet on a world where a lot of people are not at, at bliss, not at ten uh, X levels. And we just think that, you know, Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg are, are the only types of people. Oh, lucky them. They hit the lottery of Facebook and SpaceX, PayPal, et cetera. And the truth is everybody can live at 10x. It's, it's, there's a skill called lateral thinking. We talk about it tremendously on the show. And imagine a world if everybody was at 10x living purpose and passion, right? It would be almost utopic and we more likely than not have world peace. And that's the true underlying mission for bliss hacker how can we scale up figuring teaching people how to do this learn 10x thinking lateral thinking etc such that we can get to a place where enough people are impacted that they also teach other people to be impacted and we get to a place where we have critical mass and eventually have world peace on this planet and as crazy as that sounds i have to go back to the job quote that that goes something like uh those who think they can change the world do, or those who think they're crazy enough to change the world do. So count me crazy because I think I can change the world. Nice. Well, uh, you're well on your way, and and uh, thank you very much for being on the call and uh, and uh, you know being on the podcast. It's great to have you. Oh, it's an amazing podcast. I really love it, and uh, you know I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> 